0: You are listening to Eldo Radio, KBTL, eighty-eight point one, The Grizz, Eldorado, Kansas, radio for Butler.
1: Now I'm
2: not a writer. Okay. Oh. Eldo Radio.
0: Oh my goodness! Isn't that clever? Are we going to have a radio station? Yeah, we already have one. Hey, hey everybody! A- welcome to another episode of Everyday Eldorado. I'm your host, Deanna Bond, and I'm here to share my perspective on the fine art of living well every day in El Dorado. There are certain people and certain times in life that make an indelible mark and leave it on your heart forever. That is what happened to me when I met Virginia. As a reporter, I was covering a story about Government Day at our county courthouse, at about midday, I saw a little mischievous lady dressed in a Rosie the Riveter costume, complete with red and white polka dot bandana and a lunchbox. She caught my attention and made a beeline straight to me. I need your help, she said, and it didn't matter what she said next, because my answer was yes. Yes, I would help her tell her story, but first she wanted to help telling the story of our veterans and our American Legion. She shared her story with me that left its mark on her heart, and that is the story I want to tell. This is the story of Virginia and Junior. Virginia Ball was born Ruby Virginia Frisbee on April 26, 1925 to Guy Frisbee and Grace Blackmore Frisbee.
3: I was born on a farm about nine miles south of El Dorado, Kansas 1925 and uh, I had a child of, I have four brothers and sisters Wow. I should have said four in the family. See, I'm goofing up already. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were wonderful people, hard worker. You don't realize it when you're a child, you know. But uh, they l- lived on a farm, rented a farm in Eldor- from El Dorado. It was hard work. I went to school at a one-room schoolhouse and walked for a mile and a half to it. So then from there, we went to uh, a farm south of Tawanda, Kansas. And my dad rented the farm and had money probably invested from the banker and everything, you know. And the depression was coming along. We used to take a bath uh, in a number two Uh, tub, and everybody took a bath of the same water. Can you imagine that? And I was there for about probably four years. But in the meantime, my dad lost his farm, and we had to sell everything, the chickens and the cows and the horses. It was a sad moment. I can remember how my mother cried and everything. And he got a job up in the Flint Hills, north of Rosalia, working on a, in a cattle for a company—well, Mr. Nuttle had a, a lot of land up there, and he worked for him. So I went to Lone Tree Schoolhouse, and uh, I would ride a horse, take the horse on into a barn, because we had a barn at the little schoolhouse Mm -hmm. Had eighth grade there, you know? And that's where I first met my husband-to-be.
0: Pliez George Ball, known as Junior, was born May 6, 1924, to Pliez Grant Ball and Maud Baldwin. Junior's father, Pliez, was a veteran of the Spanish-American War, and he died when Junior was only seven years old. Junior found a father figure in his brother-in-law, Charles Nuttall, and it was while working for him on his ranch that he first set eyes on Virginia, who was only 13 years old at the time.
3: Because it was the Nuttall Ranch, and uh, he lived with his brother-in-law, who was Charlie Nuttall, and they would come up to the ranch from El Dorado. He said I would always run and hide behind the house, peeking back, because I was very timid and very shy, and I wouldn't talk to him or anything like that, you know? (laughs) But anyway, we rounded up cattle. And what you did, you round up the cattle at a big place. You you kids wouldn't realize how big that pasture was. I mean, I wish I knew the mollies in it, but I don't. And uh, we would go around up cattle, and we would ship them out. And you would drive them nine miles to Rosalia, to the, stock, or to the railroad st- station, you know, and put them on there. And, so that's really how I met him, because we were— doing cattle and holding them and everything. And he came up with his brother-in-law. We were just kids only. I was probably 15, 14 at the time, maybe 14. And uh, that's how I first met him. And then when I got graduated from the school, Lone Tree, well, then I went to high school in El Dorado, Kansas. And I was a freshman there and I had to get a job. That was hard. Uh, I'd never been away from home. And uh, I don't think I got my first job. I think my sister-in-law got it for me. But she got me a job at the hospital, just going in. And it worked out really good because I'd go in all the morning and get my breakfast free. And then I'd go to school. Well, I would have been 14, I think. I uh, graduated in 1943. Anyway, then I would go to school. And it, school was terrible for me. I was so bashful and shy; it was awful. And I found out if I had a cold all the time, that the teachers wouldn't call on me.
2: So, <laughs> you know,
3: and I got by. I didn't make grades; just, just get by. You know, I was good in. Uh, I was just an average student. And George was there. We called him Junior at that time, and he was a year ahead of me. And he kept going by and honking the horn. You know, he had a car to come to school on, he lived on a farm too. And uh, anyway, I never could understand why he, what he seen in me or anything, because he was so popular. And we'd go down the hall and everybody say, hi, Junior, hi, Junior, I get, you know, I couldn't understand that. So anyway, that was the beginning of our love affair. <laughs> we started writing letters in 1940.
0: Their love affair was documented in letters that they sent each other, beginning as early as 1940.
3: Well, this is July the 9th, 1940, and it's Dear Virginia. 1940, a long time ago. I hope you are getting along fine over there. I was down at my sister on a farm. Don't work too hard for my sake, please. Honey, I miss you so much. These last few days, it's terrible. Please write and let me know how you are. Tell your little niece, Jonna, hello for me and please be careful for God's sake. Love, XOXO Jr.
0: Junior courted Virginia through the letters he wrote. Those letters began while they were still in high school.
3: There were two letters here 1940. I would have to think what I was in school because I graduated in 43. 10th grade? Okay. So I was pretty young, wasn't I? Dear Virginia, July the 14th, 1940. I was glad to hear from you, but was sorry to hear that you hurt your hand. You didn't say how. You did it, so evidently a horse bucked you off, I bet you. I was quite pretty good at riding a horse. <sighs> Have you ever come back home? If you ever do, you better come back because each day I get Lonesome for you and lay awake half the night thinking about you. I can't think of anything more to write, so until the next time, cheerio, and good luck, and lots of it, with love, Junior. Now, so that was pretty good, 1940, July. No telephone in those days, honey. No cameras, you know, and yeah. But isn't it funny I saved them? And I got other letters from other men, but didn't save them. So it was all in God's planning us being together, I think. I know, you know?
0: Virginia saved each and every one of those letters. They now reside in a shoebox that she keeps close at hand. When moments of nostalgia visit, she reaches into the box and returns to days gone by.
3: Junior and I. Would have a little fuss now and then, and I won't t- go into why we would have a fuss. But anyway, and it got to the place that it was just hard, and we would fight, and then we'd get back together, you know, and everything. And so he decided he'd go into the service to get away from me. He was se- he was 17 years old, which made me 16, and. Uh, his mother had signed the paper, but she was happy to do that.
0: Despite their disagreement, the letters continued through a tour of duty with the Marine Corps during World War II. San Diego, California, December 5, 1941. Dearest Virginia, honey, I didn't receive a letter from you today, and I sure feel blue about it. Please forgive me, Virginia, honey, two weeks from today, and then I'll know for sure just when and how many days leave I get.
3: Yeah, he's going to come home for Christmas. But he's going to get married.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Which would have been a big mistake, really. Mm-hmm. You know, probably.
0: But he didn't get to come home. No. Why not?
3: Because the war broke out.
0: San Diego, December 7, 1941. Honey, here I am again. Today is Sunday. I went to church this morning. Honey, I had my hopes all built up to come home. I wrote to Helen and Sam just last night asking them to lend me $15. Now it is doubtful whether I get to leave or not because Japan bombed. Manila and Pearl Harbor last night. And that means we're practically in war. If I do get a leave, I'm coming home as planned. I'll know in a few days, darling, maybe everything will work out so I can get a leave. But since last night, after all that bombing, a bunch of boys in the Marine Corps got their leaves canceled. I'm feeling awfully blue now, but let's just hope for the best. Please write often with lots of love. Love, Junior. Do you love me as I love you? Tell your mother hello from me. Did you have any idea when you got this letter and he told you about them canceling their, their leaves? Did you have any idea that you wouldn't see him for the next four years?
3: Mm-hmm. Probably not right at that time. I was sad. I remember that. Yep. War was hell, honey.
0: And were you still in high school at this point? Yes. You were maybe a junior?
3: Junior. Because he was planning on coming home in December, and mother was going to sign things for us to get married. So this must have been the time that he was getting ready to go out. And I saw him in 45, four years, long time. But I got all these letters. We wrote letters back in those days, even in the summertime to each other, you know? When the war broke out, like I was telling you a while ago, I'd go back from the hospital and eat supper at night, you know, and then work up with the other nurses that were learning their... To be a nurse, but I heard about the war when I went to school. It was on a Sunday that it happened, wasn't it? Went to school, and then that's when we found out about it. You didn't get news like you do today, and everything. And everybody in school was shocked. It was just—I think they even shut the school down. You know, it was just terrible. It was. It- it was unbelievable. We couldn't believe it. Uh, everybody was yelling and crying, and, well, what's going on, and are they going to hit us, and this and that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I don't know. It's just hard kind of reliving that moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We just got blindsided, didn't know it was going to happen. I just think you know, those people at Pearl Harbor, they were just living ordinary, ordinary lives. And, walking around that day when the plane started coming over. At first, they didn't realize what was
0: going on until they went on in and sunk all those ships. Junior would not be home for several years, but his letters were a welcome and faithful reminder of his love for Virginia.
3: And this was March the 12th. 1942. So I don't know what this one says, and if I can read it. Oh, we can. Oh, I have graduated now. I'm up to Dearest, Virginia, March the 7th, 1942. Don't be surprised now, because I really am going to write a letter. Sorry I didn't write sooner, but I was out of stamps until today. When I received the stamps, you sent me. So he was in the service by now. Thanks a million because I really did appreciate them. Tell your mother and dad hello from me, hoping they are fine and getting along all right with their new job. I should telegram you when I get my new address. That is, if it is still in the U.S. or which I doubt it will be. I have been feeling really very late very good lately i'm not sick anymore just sort of like longing for someone you honey i think that i'm going in the tank division but i don't know for sure it's hard to tell where i'll be sent but the only thing i do know for sure is that i don't get a furlough. It's hard to tell when I'll get a leave or if I ever get to see home as somebody I care a lot about.
0: While Junior was serving in the South Pacific, Virginia graduated high school and set about to do her part in helping to win the war.
4: The Riveter keeps a sharp lookout for sabotage Sitting up there on the fuselage That little fray can do more than a male can do Rosie The Riveter, Rosie's got a boyfriend, Charlie Charlie, he's a marine Rosie is protecting Charlie Working overtime on the riveting machine When they gave her a production knee She was as proud as a girl could be There's something true about red, white, and blue about Rosie Thank you. Baba do, baba do, baba little
3: In 1943, you see the war has already been on, mm-hmm. and I went over to Wichita, which is about 30 some miles from El Dorado, and rode a bus over there. And took, They sent you to uh, learn how to be Rosie the Riveter, and then I went to work there at Boeing, and I rode back and forth for quite a while on the bus. And uh, then I finally probably got enough money ahead that I got a, a hotel room in Wichita and stayed there then and worked. Uh, everybody came together, you know. I uh, have told this so many times, and I know Karen probably has heard it so many times because, but I think too much is made out of Rosie. But I understand it because we're working together. But guys, you know, we had a job. I got paid. I rode home. Had a supper. We call it dinner now. A supper then. And uh, got to go to bed at night, warm. And these men were over there. It's it had to be hell for honey. Mm-hmm. It just had yeah. to be when you relive it, you know. So, yeah. you know, you didn't hear from them, you know, like you do yeah. now. Today you could even see someone over there, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Well, I was Rosie, uh, the bucker or riveter, mm-hmm. you know, I worked on the wing. Mm-hmm. And you drill a hole, you know, yeah. and you had to have your hair tied up like that. And uh, if you drill that hole, you had a bucker on the other side, you couldn't see them. But this bucker would come up and buck this rivet like this, and if he didn't hold that bucker right, you had to take it out from the other side so he'd not tell you, you know, or I'd not tell him that I was going to take it out. You couldn't take them out too many times because you make the hole a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. And they would have inspectors coming by, and I was proud of my work. Because I never did get turned down on anything, you know, because they wouldn't inspect them. And, and uh, so I was good at either way, I could buck or I could rib it, and it was good. It was You had to get up in the wing, and it was, but it wasn't that bad, mm-hmm. you know. Again, you was getting paid and you doing your work and helping your country and yourself. I did finally work, I probably worked at Boeing about three years, and then uh, I was living in Wichita at the time in a hotel. And I found out I could go to work for Coleman, and uh, I could work and get paid by the piece. And I was a fast worker. I got a room with my girlfriend from El Dorado, and she came over. And we would go to eat out Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and uh, roller skated some, things like that, not too much. Back in El Dorado, we had a theater, uh, El Dorado Theater. And the only thing you could hear about the war is if you could go to that theater and they would have movies of that being over there, you know? So, and then the girls did go out dancing. And of course, there wasn't very many men around, so we danced with each other, you know? And that was fun. You didn't have much money in those days, so you just did what you Mm -hmm. could, you know? You know, I didn't realize we was an (laughs) auton. You know, I mean, we're just workers.
0: With the surrender of Germany on May 8, 1945, victory was secured.
4: Yesterday morning, at 2.41 a.m., at General Eisenhower's headquarters, General Jodl, the representative of the German High Command, and of Grand Admiral Dönitz, the designated head of the German state, signed the act of unconditional surrender of all German land, sea, and air forces in Europe to the Allied expeditionary forces and simultaneously to the Soviet I command, hostilities will end officially at one minute after midnight tonight, Tuesday the 8th of May. Long live the cause of freedom.
0: It was only a matter of time before Virginia and Junior would finally be reunited.
3: He was gone for four whole years. I was on the way to uh, California to see him. It was wonderful. We was in a red car, my sister and I, and we heard all the news and all the yelling and you go through the towns and people oh! <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was wonderful, it was over We went out with his family to the blue man over at Wichita. Why do
1: I do just as you say? Why must I just give you your way? Why do I sigh? Why don't I try to forget? It must have been that something lovers call fate kept me saying I had to wait. I saw them all just couldn't fall till we met It had to be
3: you And that was our first dance that we had together and he sung that song to me. He just came home from the service. Yep. <laughs> Good memories. Isn't that wonderful?
1: Some others I've seen
0: Virginia and Junior were married September 2, 1945. George and Virginia Ball enjoyed 55 years of marriage before George passed away in March 2000. In 2019, the 94-year-old Virginia is still working four days a week and continues to serve veterans through her volunteer work with the American Legion Auxiliary. we have some greatness in other ways that we need to recognize in the room because you guys are in the presence of an actual real life Rosie the Riveter, Miss Virginia. here on Everyday Eldorado but keep an eye out and an ear open for your source of information on the fine art of living well everyday in Eldorado have a great day
2: oh no. no, I'm not a writer okay
0: oh elder radio oh my goodness isn't that clever are we going to have a radio station yeah we already have yeah, yeah but my way you're listening to Elder Radio. Radio, KBTL, 88.1 The Grizz, Eldorado, Kansas, Radio for Butler.